Hello and welcome to the Flex. I'm Matt St. G and here with Joe Howie as always and special guest Joey Jarzinka from the Eastern Observer. How you doing? Uh, Matt, Joe, thank you both for having me on. Uh, pretty good over here on Long Island. Just, you know, waiting for the uh, the sky to open up. It should be uh, starting to pour in about, you know, I don't know, 35 seconds. But how you guys doing, Matt, Joe? How you guys doing? It's been pouring at my apartment all day. Yeah, so. same here. <laughs> been pouring in the New York suburbs as well. So you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. We got a, we got a good game here. The first nationally televised Big East game of the year. Providence and Seton Hall on Saturday. It's a 1230, just, just a little early afternoon tip off there at the Prudential Center. Providence comes in at eight and three. Seton Hall at seven and four, fresh off a win against Drexel this week. Joey, I want to start with you to get some perspective on the Seton Hall team. You know, that game got closer than people expected it might early on at the close win against Rutgers. What is the state of the Seton Hall team right now? Well, you heard yesterday from Shaheen Holloway in the post in the postgame press conference. He let's just say that he was not happy uh, with the way that everything had had come about and obviously you had a 31 a game high 31 point lead against a CAA team the Drexel Dragons um they they were you know the foot was on the gas the whole time and everything was was going right until Femi Odakali uh hurt his left ankle he's day to day with that ankle injury he's got a boot on um the identity of this team, Matt, is their defense. And we know what Shaheen Holloway did in his days as a player. We know what he was all about when he was an assistant coach under Kevin Willard here at Seton Hall. And we also know what his identity was all about with St. Peter's. It was not the scoring. It was the defensive ability that he brings night in and night out. And he's bringing it here to Seton Hall. And you got a chance to see it on Sunday against Rutgers. You got a chance to see it last night against Drexel. Um, but the defense broke down yesterday. And it was it was a little tough to see what, you know, what was what was going on there. Um, Drexel went on a 26 to 6 run, and you know, they they it was an uncomfortable win. And, you know, like I said, he also said that the team is older, but they're very immature. Yeah, he had he had quite a quote after that game, and that's not the first time he's he's kind of thrown some of the players under the bus after a game of the season either. Oh yeah, it's it, it it. I'll be honest with you. You know, some of the older the older players that he's got, he's got Tyree Samuel. He also has obviously one of his own, Casey Nadefo, that he brought in. Uh, Jameer Harris is a graduate guard. Uh, you also have a Kadari Richmond, too, a junior transfer from Syracuse a couple of years back. Um, so, you know, he has, he has these players, but he considers them very immature. There's, um, you know, there's just a lot of different, different pieces here that need to come together. And I think that you have Matt and Joe almost five different players or puzzle pieces, if you will, that have yet to click and come together and form that puzzle piece on defense seamless they they attack you left and right that full court press in the beginning you could see it the whole way that half court defense is phenomenal but then once you know things start to go go and and the game starts to progress they wind down just a tiny bit 
you know, and that's that's what we're seeing here. It's a little bit a little bit scary. And they were down to just seven scholarship players yesterday. Really tough go for them. Joey, I like that point that you bring up about the five puzzle pieces that, you know, when clicking together defensively, mm-hmm. they really work because I think that presents an interesting dichotomy when you look at Providence, because yeah. we're on the, the flip side of things where we have five puzzle pieces that offensively can click together and put together a really good offensive performance, but on the defensive end, it's not quite there yet. Let's take the the game against Albany and Manhattan out of this. You're looking at three losses to power conference teams, and then the rest are you know 12 to 14 point wins over teams that you should be beating by 40. And I think it's totally because of the defensive effort. So I think that this is going to be an interesting matchup because, like you said, you know Seton Hall defensively they're sound. They they have a good foundation there. Providence offensively is good but now providence's defense and seton hall's defense that's where things get interesting yeah i mean you know guys when you when you look at this and and just by looking at the numbers too i was doing some research earlier and you know offensive scoring for for the for the friars 80.3 points per game and matt we said this um on the instant reaction um that you know we throw the records away especially once big east conference play starts and you know there's so much or at least joe you know you had said that the offense is clicking the defense is clicking for you know offense and defense for both for for uh, for both teams not obviously for you know seton hall their offensive side of things not great in their providence their defensive side of things not working great but um you know there's also so many different factors too with providence too they've got a brand new team you know if you look at it we brought that up too matt is they they've got think of the what they lost seven different players there they lost seven players and five starters from a year ago that are gone you know and it's it's something too that you know i think the the best word to describe all of this guys it's like an unknown you have no idea what you what's going to happen either way and yeah. we're going to get to see it on national yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah. They definitely picked an interesting one to put on the national broadcast. That's for sure. This game, I think, looked a lot more appealing uh, a month and a half ago than it does right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Reigning Big East regular season champions. You've got NCAA sweetheart Shaheen Holloway returning to his alma mater. Of course, it, it looked better on paper. And now we're a month and a half, two months into the season. They're like, oh, all right, here we go. <laughs> I think if, if the Big East could do it over, the uh, the Creighton-Marquette game would probably be the one getting the national Fox treatment, and this one would be in the Friday night slot. So I don't know with yeah. Creighton, right? Now. I was going to say, I don't know. <laughs> if you're riding a five-game game skid into a nationally broadcasted game, I don't know how much eyeballs I want on that. Yeah. This is, this, this is going to be um, an interesting one. I know we said I think we want to learn a lot about both of these teams in this game. Joe, I'll start with you. From the Friars' perspective, what do you want to learn about the Friars on Saturday afternoon? I want to learn how Bryce Hopkins does against the athletic wings of Seton Hall. We've seen him dominate so far on the schedule. And, you know, like I said earlier, you're only you've only played three upper quality, upper tier opponents. Um, So, of course, he's going to dominate when he's playing lesser teams. I want to see now what he does against an opponent in Seton Hall that has a lot of ling- wings that like to slash and drive to the rim. Like, let's see Hopkins defensively and see how he dials in to his own level of competition, if you will. Mm. Joey, what are you looking to take away from the Seton Hall side here? 
Well, offensively is obviously something that this team is continuing to struggle with. And granted, you know, yesterday, 23 of 53 from the floor, which, you know, it's again, it's a 44% clip, give or take of 43, 44, if my math is correct. Um, again, it's it's not great. Um, I would want to see more of Kadari Richmond because I think that that I think is the biggest key that I want to see uh, from Seton Hall tomorrow, especially because Femi Odakali, uh, we don't know if he's going to go. And if he doesn't go, we know what his defense is all about. Richmond's that is. But his offense, though, has been there at times. And the big word that, or not even really just the word, rather, that Shaheen Holloway continued to, to say over and over again in his post-game press conference was spurts. And not only about Kadari Richmond, but about the team. The team shows spurts of life, both on the offensive and the defensive side. But Kadari Richmond, there are times when he doesn't show up, or you'll see him, like yesterday, nine boards, three steals, eight points. Fantastic stuff. Or you'll see him starting and going over six from the floor, can't really find anything, can't find a lane in. Um, so that's really what I'm looking for is I want to see the emergence of Kadari Richmond under Shaheen Holloway. We saw what he was capable of last season under Kevin Willard. But now, again, this is not a uh, a typical point guard that Shaheen Holloway would have handpicked himself mm-hmm. in Richmond. No way. No. I, and I think he's an interesting player to me because on paper, this is a guy who kind of could have emerged to be a first team all Big East type of guy this yeah. year. That path was there for him. And now it's. He's not really even in the starting lineup for them. No, uh, and yeah, and 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 for you know, again, this is this is something that um, a lot of us in the media room have been talking about. You know, Alamir Dawes, who who's who's a really really good transfer. Also, you had Clemson, um, or he was from Clemson too. Femiola Dakali from Pitt. Um, again, it's it's more on the lines of who who wants it, who wants it the most, and who can really. Uh, gel. And again, we go back to what we had said before, Joe, about the the five puzzle pieces, and you're just going to pretty much throw everything in a whiteboard, or a board rather, and whatever it is, we'll see if it can click. And that's exactly what Shaheen Holloway has done here through the first 11 games, and surprisingly enough, he's gotten seven wins. The team's not happy. He's not happy. But a lot of us are saying, you really didn't expect seven wins out of the first 11 from this, from this team. No. Could be a lot worse. (laughs) I mean, Hey, listen, let me tell you guys something, Joe, you brought up before about how Providence eight wins out of their first 11, Albany, Manhattan, Stonehill, Merrimack. Sounds like a St. John's schedule. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're, we're, we're sitting here and we're talking about Providence and Seton Hall. Matt, you said, this is going to be a game where we find out a lot about both teams. St. John's has one of the best records in the league, and I know nothing about them. Yeah. Absolute zilch. Other than Joel Soriano is a double-double machine against lower-quality opponents. Yeah, and Curbelo is better is. than I thought. <laughs> yep. Yeah, against lower-quality opponents. <laughs> yep. There it is, Joe. You hit the nail right on the head, and that's all you need to know. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> that by the way, and that St. John's at Villanova game next Wednesday. That's when I got circled on the calendar as another another one where you're, we're trying to learn a lot about where both teams are right now. Uh, yeah. I think you could say that about a lot of teams in the conference, and I'm going to throw Creighton into that boat as well. Really, if your your name isn't UConn, your identity is being formed within the next couple or, of weeks. Or Georgetown. I think we know Georgetown's identity. Who's that? <laughs> the former Big East school, Georgetown. Oh, 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 right. Sorry. I thought you meant the A-10 team. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, the, thought that, the, I thought that the conference flip happened already. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was gonna say, guys. The, I was gonna say, guys. The the uh, the NEC only has nine nine schools. Georgetown could definitely go in there. I think it would be even, yeah. right? Ten and ten, Big East. Yeah, NEC. I think that's good. Yeah, we go. could do a little relegation. <laughs> Georgetown <laughs> wins that conference. They can come back up the next year. <laughs> can we give them DePaul too? <laughs> I think DePaul goes to whatever the Midwest equivalent is. I don't even know. <laughs> the Missouri Valley, right? Yeah, that might be too good. That's a DePaul team that's banged up. We're talking about St. John's not knowing anything about them. That St. John's DePaul game, I, all I learned is DePaul's really bad when all of its players are hurt. Also, from DePaul- a scheduling standpoint, I don't, I, that one is, what, December 7th? We're now eight days past that, and not a single lick of Big East hoops has been played since then. Like, what kind What kind of, you know, a terrible appetizer is that? <laughs> It made no sense to me, to be honest with you. And I believe I said it to Matt, too, when we saw each other at Karnasek Arena last Wednesday. It made no sense to me. And if you want to spice things up, Joe, you said it perfectly. It made no sense to you because it made no sense to me either. If you want (laughs) to get – I'm serious. If you want to get Big East on the map the first game – have like a Villanova UConn to start things off or have something, you know, that, that really sticks out. And, and I'm not saying national television, but one that is – and, you know, if you're trying to take a page out of the Big Ten's playbook where they used to start, you know, before Christmas or whatever, mm-hmm. right? You're not a Power Five conference, unfortunately. So you have to get the, the two best, right? Like, remember last year, fellas, on Christmas, DePaul and Creighton? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> really? If, if you're going to put these mar- marquee games – on, on on a on a national holiday, a national holiday on a on a on a on a big holiday like Christmas, you you better be you you better be putting a really good you know one and two going against yeah. each other. Not gonna put yeah. a one versus eleven. That's terrible. Oh, well, it's not one versus eleven right now even anymore. Like, no, it's sorry, one versus teams. ten. My apologies. <laughs> no, Creighton. No, I, all right, two, I, two, three, wherever they are. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I mean, a, a lot of the internal reporters from the Big East try and normalize the power six saying. But if you look at things right. from a college football standpoint, which takes a majority of the college fan bases, it's power five. And the Big East nationally has been struggling for attention, mm-hmm. especially now that Villanova, the poster child, is you know kind of limping into conference play. You, you shouldn't be scheduling St. John's DePaul as the kickoff game. Like, like you and said, Joe, like. Go ahead, Matt. I was going to just say, like, UConn-Villanova, UConn-Creighton, like, the teams that are slated to be those top-tier teams, that's who you put on the national screen on December 7th, not Tony Stubblefield's second year at DePaul and Mike Anderson's hot seat season at St. John's. Yeah, and it's – if you're going to give us that game, also, give us the one at DePaul so you can have the one interesting storyline of the David Jones return. Give if you're gonna do that game, at least give us that. They picked the worst half of that series. <laughs> Makes no sense. 
Yeah, we've we've deviated quite a bit here from the problem <laughs> yeah. Eaton Hall conversation. Big East banter. Oh yeah, gotta love it. The internal dynamics of this conference are always interesting. Oh, and they can great. go on for hours, fellas. <laughs> they can go on for hours. What what really grinds our gears from top to bottom? <laughs> the uh, did you, Joey? Have you by any chance read the uh, Dana O'Neill book from the Big East? It's funny because I have that upstairs, but mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, work has gotten in the way, unfortunately, it has grown some dust on it. So I have to blow that off soon and uh, and begin to read that. Well, I I'll sit tell you- in the exact same position as you, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I made myself get into that over the summer. Let me tell you, once you pick it up, you're not going to put it down. Oh, man. It's really good, especially with Christmas coming up. That's just a general note of... Biggie, if you're a Big East fan, you're listening to this, you're looking for a last-second Christmas gift, throw that in there because that has some great anecdotes about the history of the conference. I'll be excited to hear some of the stories about the modern day and age when we get 20, 30 years into the future and see right. what people oh, thought. I wonder if Shaheen Holloway is saying this stuff right now about his team. I wonder what he's going to say in an interview in 30 years when he's asked about it and he doesn't have to care what other people think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. We're going to get some real unfiltered opinions about which players in that locker room are the issues. While while we're on this path, I would love to know what's going through Patrick Ewing's head right now. Just like (laughs) his last Big East win was the 2020 COVID Big East Tournament Championship game. That was the last time Patrick Ewing, Big East and NBA legend, won a Big East game as head coach of Georgetown. Like, just let that sit in for a second. Like, that's outstandingly terrible. Yeah. You couldn't do it if you tried. And also, he's not trying. (laughs) And also, keep in mind, too, fellas, is that I think also the biggest reason why, and this is my last point here before I'm assuming Matt takes over again (laughs) uh, and gets back on topic. uh, We do recall about that four-year contract that was signed that massive four-year deal that was signed right around the time that he did win Mm -hmm. uh, or did lead Georgetown to that big East championship back in the COVID season. And again, we remember when they officially unveiled that they did not allow any media inside McDonough arena. Keep that in mind. So we'll see what that really tells you about all of this and and the the general aura of what's going on down there because that's also probably in addition to the last Big East win that Patrick Ewing might see as the head coach. That's probably also the last lick of money that he might see from Georgetown ever again. (laughs) I can't imagine he's getting another extension after this one. I'll tell you that. No, he's not getting anything. If anything, they're they're just going to – well, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, I don't, you know know, I don't know how you resolve that situation. I don't know if you guys saw today. Uh, Georgetown had a press conference today, which I unfortunately could not attend. But the Hilltop Hoops, uh, those guys over there who covered yeah. Georgetown, mm-hmm. they were tweeting about how they've essentially been shadow banned from asking any questions at the press conferences. They're never called <laughs> on to ask anything. So they just kind of put out a tweet that said, we can't go. We're not going to go and bother with this. But here's the questions that we would like asked. And I did not see a single lick of anything after that press conference from anybody in the Georgetown media. I don't – was there just no information from the press conference? I mean, this is this is what and, – and, and I've worked in college athletics on the administrative side, um, you know, in the NEC, and I've dealt with championship teams, right? Mm-hmm. And again, NEC championship teams, it really means nothing, right? 
But when it does come down to the playoffs, right, or even to the to the conference cha- championship and the conference tournament, um, sometimes you know when you have these press conferences or makeshift press conferences, right, and there's no one there, you'll have the SID or whoever ask a couple of questions, and it won't be, you know, the questions that want to be asked. It'll be the questions, you know, basically those softball questions. Yeah, you know, and that's pretty probably. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they're getting or what Patrick's been getting for however long. Cause I could see them. I, I could see whoever it is. The moderator could say, Nope, we're not, we're not going to point to anybody here because we know that it's going to make the school look bad. It's going to make us look bad to make everyone look bad. But also hindsight's 2020. It's if you don't call on anybody, it makes you look bad either way. So it's a lose, lose. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be a lose, lose with the, the play, the product on the court right now. And the fact that nobody is seeing it too. It's the only thing worse for Georgetown right now than receiving criticism is receiving no coverage whatsoever and kind of fading into irrelevance, which yeah. with the number of people that went to that, I mean, they gave out free tickets and nobody went to a game. That's kind of the point where it's you're, you're going in a different direction. I just can't wait for the inevitable Georgetown upset of UConn. And then Patrick <laughs> gets a lifetime extension. Just <laughs> wait. If that happens, oh my goodness. Somebody's, somebody, somebody should get fired for malpractice if that happens. And it'll be Dan Hurley. <laughs> <laughs> or, he'll, or, or he'll just get teed up by, uh, by, by James Breeding at some point. Oh, yeah. And then the, the Big East will have to publicly shun him and you know, oh, yeah. reprimand him for his comments. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like Dan Hurley getting teed up is the, it's like the free space on the bingo board. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. gonna happen this year. You, yeah. you count on it. <laughs> Take your space. Yeah. Uh, all right, we've gone way off here. I think we'll we'll bring it back and we'll just we'll wrap up with a couple of predictions for this game. Um, Joey, you're the guest here, so I'll let you go first. What do we actually see Saturday, and what's the outcome? So I think uh, we're going to see a lot about the identities and, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. I think across the board, we're going to see uh, the usual suspects on defense. We're going to see Casey Nadefo. We're going to see what Trey Jackson can do. We're also going to see what, what Kadari Richmond uh, can continue to do nine steals in the last two games uh, for, for, for Richmond. And he's been fantastic. Casey Nadefo. He's, he's been great coming, uh, coming in from, uh, St. Peter's, but for Providence also, I'm really looking forward to see uh, someone other than Bryce, um, you know, other than Bryce Hopkins and Ed Croswell. I want to see what Jared Bynum can do. You know, a lot. I want to see what a lot of these guys can do. Again, seven players that are no longer here from the Sweet 16 team last season. Um, uh, my prediction, I still believe Providence comes out on top because of what's going on with Seton Hall offensively. Uh, in addition to their injury to Femi Cali, who has been a big contributor on defense. Uh, I'm going to say the exact same prediction as I said before, Matt. I think it was 62-54. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to – I stand by it. All right. I like it. We got a, we got a guy from the, the other side of things coming on and predicting a Friars win. So that's always it. That's always a good thing. <laughs> Joe, are you going with a Friars win here too? I am. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than that, but I like that, you know, range in the 50s to 60s. I would say, you know, 58, 54, maybe. I think think Providence is going to take some adjusting to a higher level of opponent. Um, We kind of rolled through the last three, but keep in mind that's Rhode Island, Manhattan, New Albany. I think on the Seton Hall side of things, a guy we haven't brought up yet is Al Amir Dawes. Uh, Matt, you know from our text chain that – 
<laughs> he's someone that I've been high on in this non-conference. I think he just screams Big East guard. Um, so I think if he can get going offensively, that the Providence backcourt's going to have a tough time with him. I mean, sure, you can throw Devin Carter on him, but then you leave the wing wide open, and Hopkins can't really handle that by himself. So it's going to be a give and take with that. Um, and for the on the offensive side for Providence, Joey, I think your point is spot on. We need someone else other than Bryce Hopkins to step up, whether it's Carter, whether it's Ed Croswell, Clifton Moore. I think Jared Bynum coming back and you know turning it on for conference play would be huge. But uh, until that happens, I think this is going to be more of a rock fight than an offensive clinic. And also one more thing too, guys, uh, just in addition to um, to that point, turnovers for Seton Hall are key. This is a team um, that was coached by Kevin Willard for so many years where they were very careful with the basketball. This year, it's a little different. And now we're seeing 30 turnovers in the last two games. Not great. And something that Shaheen Holloway has harped on in addition to his, you know, we are immature comments. The turnovers have to come down. Yeah, that's going to be something to watch. The Friars' defense has not been overly fantastic at forcing the turnovers, I don't think. But this may give them an opportunity. I think this is an opportunity for Seton Hall's offense, too, to have almost a get-right game with how the yeah. Providence defense has been. I think there's a there's a there's there's an outcome here where Seton Hall's offense finds itself, lights up the scoreboard or relative to what the team has done this season and makes things difficult for the Friars. But I'm going with the Friars in this one. That's going to be my prediction. I said around 70 to 60 on your show, and I'll stick with that. Because I think, I think the Friars' offense found something in the last week and a half here. I think they're going to maybe struggle a little bit early, but they're going to find it again on Saturday. And I don't think Seton Hall's offense right now, as constructed, has the firepower to match that. And it'll end up being kind of a five-point game throughout that slips to a ten-point game there at the end. What I like most about this matchup is it is the first matchup of conference play for both of, both of these teams. And it will also be the final matchup of conference play for both of these teams when you look ahead to March. So I think what we see this Saturday at 1230 is going to be completely different from what we see on March 4th, whatever time that game is, a couple months from now. I think we're going to see two different teams then. So I like you know that we're starting like this and ending with the same matchup. I think you're going to see two completely different teams by that time. Yeah, and, and also, guys, you know, Joe, you said that perfectly, too, because it can also be um, it could be indicative of where where both programs will end up in the standings, too, for the Big yeah. East tournament as well. And again, we know now that obviously since UConn came back into the Big East, there's also that 430 game on Wednesday, too. So you never know. Oh. Obviously, it's the top it's the top six that make it, you know, to Thursday. And then you've got the bottom the bottom uh, the bottom four. Five, no, uh, the bottom, the bottom six play on Wednesday and the bottom top six. Five thank you. Thank you. Yeah. See, there you go. I knew it was, it, it was off there, but yeah. You come so out here screwing everything up. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's there are those three games and you never know that six, seven could potentially be, uh, you know, up for grabs. And, and again, too, one final thought for me, guys, Alexis Yetna, a big guy, big, 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 tall uh, forward, uh, really a center down low. He's six, six, 10, six, 11. He's out with uh with a whole bunch of knee issues. So we don't know. We were definitely not going to see him on Saturday, but there's a lot of chatter that we've gotten to hear that he could be back. Keyword is could be back quote right around 
the January, February mark. So that could be something that we might see in March. That could, that could make... be the difference between Sam yeah. Hall being in the tournament or not being in the tournament, the way he plays when he gets back. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's the case for a couple teams here. Villanova with injury yep. concerns. Creighton now with Colt Brenner being sick. Yep. I look at Butler down a starter right now with Ali Ali. I think that's one of the reasons we've seen such an, a, a non-conference that was not up to expectations. As these teams are not fully who they're going to be in March right now. Mm -hmm. yep. no. All right. Well, thank you for uh, joining us there. Joey, let the people know where can they find you? Ah, uh, thank you, uh, Joe and Matt, for uh, for for having me on. Truly appreciate it. And uh, Matt, thank you also for joining us uh, earlier on the Instant Reaction. Uh, you could find me uh, on Twitter at Real Joey Jazz, R E A L J O E Y J A Z Z, and uh, you can also follow us on Twitter uh, at Observe Eastern. Um, exactly how you how you see that, and you'll also see where are we over there. <laughs> no, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that logo right there, or simply right here, could have done that. That was much easier. <laughs> you see that logo, you know you've hit the right spot. So uh, yeah, we're um, we're on we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're everywhere. So just search the Eastern Observer, and also on YouTube too, uh, Eastern Observer. So guys, thank you so much for having me. Truly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming yeah. on. Definitely make sure to go follow Joey. And I love your handle, by the way. It's a great one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Coming from that same dream. Yeah. <laughs> good I, that's good, too. Yeah. And then there's just at Joe Howie. You're, you got to come up with something, something better there, Joe. I got a boring name. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll be with you at some point after the game, giving you some coverage. Thanks for coming on, Joey. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Go Friars.